Episode 1 has arrived. Welcome, everybody, to throw in whatever word you want. The genesis, the birth, the debut. I think I might have used debut in episode 0. I can't even remember. But whatever word you want to use, welcome to episode 1 of Lockdown Golden Knights, talking about the Vegas Golden Knights every day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Danny Webster, uh, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and the site manager of Knights on Ice, part of SB Nation. And first, I just want to say thank you to everybody for the support and the feedback from, I I guess, our teaser episode, what you want to call it, what I was describing what we were going to do. For this here podcast, I uh, got a, a lot of kind words, a lot of kind feedback. I really appreciate that from all of you who reached out, for everybody who's uh, following us now on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. Uh, thank you to those who have already followed. And if you've already downloaded and subscribed to the podcast, it, it's on platforms now. I mean, it, it's official. It's on Apple. We're on Spotify. I, I mean, this is a good time for us. This is an exciting time, a very fun time. And the minute I saw it get on the Spotify, I knew it was real. Because once it gets past that initial phase of being on Apple and it goes to other platforms, that's when you know that you're really either legit or you're about to be like in the serious conversation. So I'm excited. I can't I can't believe we're finally here. I've been hyping this up to everybody for the last number of days. And uh, it's here. And I thank you all for uh, tuning in. And we're going to have a lot of fun this year. Because if anything was any indication of last night, oh good lord, that that was probably I don't know where you would rank top preseason games in the National Hockey League in the in the context of the the what the 102 years of NHL hockey. I'm pretty sure maybe more than half a century has been dedicated to preseason. I don't think we've seen a preseason game quite like the Golden Knights and the Sharks last night. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on, um, because normally this would be an exciting time. Uh, you know, hockey starts in a few days. Uh, Vegas will be at home on opening night, prime time against San Jose, and for the second time in you know three days, and then eventually a third time in five days when they play again on Friday. The, the preseason is over. Hockey's in a few days. It should be an exciting time. But guys, I am exhausted. <laughs> For those of you who've been following along, I actually moved. My wife and I moved to a new apartment uh, on Sunday. By the time we finished moving, um, it was about four... Well done moving for the day thankfully my my wife's family was here helping her while I had to run to the game it was 4 30 puck drop was at five made it at about 4 50 4 51 somewhere along that nature and was able to catch that crazy unthinkable preseason game that resulted in a 5-1 victory for the Golden Knights last night so uh the sun has fully risen. I don't believe I am, but in in any event, I also don't have internet right now. So by the time by the time this goes up, this will be in the afternoon. So I'm talking as if this is going up now. Uh, we still don't have internet at the house, so pretty much everything you hear today is going to go up in different segments, and it's going to sound a little disjointed as far as the time aspect of when things are happening. But 
I promise you that that's going to be a fix. Go, it's going to be fixed going forward. I have to go deal with the internet stuff today. So I, I'm pretty sure y'all don't want to hear me talk about, you know, lack of internet and whatnot. We need to talk about hockey. Uh, we need to talk about year three of the Golden Knights because this is really a prime important year for the Golden Knights. Not just because this is year three and we're probably going to talk about this more later in the week. It doesn't feel like year three. It feels like year seven, the way that the last two seasons have evolved. You know, you're going from the cup final to the playoffs to next year. There's been a lot of hockey played and there really wasn't supposed to be a lot of hockey played in Las Vegas to begin with. So it has felt like an eternity, but we're going to set the stage for it is year three of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to talk about the preseason to the kind of generalize what has gone on in this preseason, who stood out, who played well, who needs to improve, and really who makes the final roster, especially now with the news from a couple days ago that Alex Tuck will miss the season. Uh, he is week to week with an upper body injury. Uh, Coach Gerard Gallant announced a couple days ago. And center Cody Eakin is his status for opening night is up in the air. So that's two-thirds of your third line that are going to likely miss game one on Wednesday. And that could set the stage for a certain number nine and a certain top prospect in the Golden Knights pipeline to make his NHL debut on Wednesday. And of course, I'm talking about the one and only Cody Glass. Uh, In segment two, we're going to discuss what general manager Kelly McCrimmon has to say. He is going to address the media at noon today. We're going to discuss what he has to say as far as, you know, his overall thoughts of the preseason and what is what is the roster looking like against San Jose and how long will that will Cody Eakins injury impact what Gerard Gallant has to do for his opening night lineup. And then we're just going to, in our third and final segment, we're just going to discuss what else we have coming up later this week. We, I mean, we're diving right in. We're diving right into, you know, a lot of things happening and we're pretty much diving headfirst at this point. So let's just, uh, let's get to it. Let's talk about last night because I just remember watching this game and you don't, Preseason is a different animal, and and I can't really say it's just preseason hockey because for anybody who has been to a Vegas Golden Knights game, we're now coming in on year three. It does not matter if it's game one, game 41, game 82, or game four of the freaking preseason There are people in this city who I really feel have nothing better to do than to go to a preseason game on a Sunday evening when I'm pretty sure there are a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans out there that wanted to watch that game last night and, you know, they choked, I guess is a good way to put it last night. But they're 18,000 plus. Let me let me set this. Let me set the scene for you. There are a lot of people that can't go to Vegas Golden Knights games. 
there are a lot of people that can't really afford the tickets here in the city. It's it's expensive. For as much as the Golden Knights have tried to put the market value of tickets toward you know the average of the NHL, it's still very expensive for the average family to get a ticket to want to come out and see a game. So when you have the opportunity to bring your family to a Golden Knights game, even if it's preseason, you're going to take that opportunity. And I only say that because now we are three preseasons in. And last night, I know it was against the Sharks, and that probably had a lot to do with it, but the game before went close to 17-5, if not a little bit more than 17-5. 18,100-plus last night at T-Mobile Arena in a freaking preseason game. Now, again, it's the Sharks. We're not going to talk about what happened last year because, you know, PTSD, all that jazz, I, I fully understand. But... We're talking about a preseason game for a third-year franchise selling at 18,100-plus. Who does that? I mean, I mean, I was watching – I watched all the road games in the preseason. So watching the Kings, the Sharks, and the Avalanche, right? You just by looking at the lower bowls of those arenas, and as I believe especially Staples Center, no one gave a crap about the Kings Knights game, you know, in Staples Center last week, and it was probably the most entertaining game of the entire preseason for the Golden Knights. But no one showed up. Same at SAP Center. You would think, even though it's still the middle of the preseason, you would like to see a lot of Sharks fans kind of pester the Golden Knights. That was not the case. Colorado, I don't even think 15 people showed up at Pepsi Center. No one shows out more for preseason games than Golden Knights fans. And if the preseason is any indication of how loud that crowd was last night, Wednesday is going to be even crazier. Because that game last night, I I, I know there's the talk about preseason. There's not a lot of weight to it. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of ambiance to the preseason, right? I, I mean, it, it it is what it is. You know, no, the games don't count. No one's going to care. Try telling that to these two teams. Who <laughs> I I never seen this. I've never seen anything like this. One hundred plus penalty minutes. I think the exact number was one oh six. Think about that for a second. One hundred and six penalty minutes. I believe the number was 75 of them were from the Sharks because the Golden Knights were under the Sharks' skin all night long. It was one of those instances where you could tell, and the fact that it's a preseason that you can tell this, the Golden Knights, I'm... I don't want to put too much stock into it. The Golden Knights, I still believe, are better than the Sharks. Top to bottom. But you can tell the Sharks got very annoyed last night. And it played right into the Golden Knights' hands, whether they wanted it to or not. But if you're telling me that the Sharks are going to get 70-plus penalty minutes and Ryan Reeves gets zero 
Can we put that into perspective, please? Ryan Reeves did not get into a fight. He did not get into a, a, a scuffle. He almost, uh, well, more more uh, more kudos to Barkley Goodrow for attempting to try and get under Ryan Reeves' skin in the third period by literally taking his stick and whacking him in the shin with it about five or six times before the referee finally called it. Ryan Reeves did not have a single penalty last night. It was his first preseason game. He's been out for most of camp and preseason with a uh, with an injury he sustained before preseason st- before camp started. So this was Reeves' first game since Game 7 of last year. The first game he's played is against the Sharks. Evander Kane is on the other side. We know the beef with those two. And Ryan Reeves does not commit a single penalty the entire game. And I believe part of that was because Valentin Zikov took uh, Ryan Reeves' fighting ability, like like in the scene of Space Jam, where the aliens take the uh, take the powers of the, the star basketball players, I believe Valentin Zikov for one night was able to deep reach in and grab Ryan Reeves's fighting powers because Valentin Zikov. It wasn't really a scuffle to where you, where your mind is blown, but my God, Zikov was pestering the Sharks all night and then it finally came to blows when he went one went against Kane. Literally it, it, my one of my favorite gifts is the one in The Simpsons where the guy walks into the restaurant with his hat on, puts it on the hat rack, start whistling, then turns around, puts his hat back on and walks back out. That is literally what happened between Zikov and Kane last night when they both went to the box, split, spent their two minutes in the box, got out, Got into a fight, technically speaking. It wasn't really a like full-on Donnybrook, but it was a good fight. And then they went right back into the penalty box. That was the kind of night. And that was only, I believe, the beginning of the night for Evander Kane, who eventually got ejected for I you know, kudos to uh to Ken and Jason over at Sinbin. I think they had the the official stat of the third time Evander Kane has been ejected at Team Mobile Arena. Which says a lot, really. I, I mean, for someone who, for for a lot of people who talk about Ryan Reeves really being the problem, are we really not talking about Evander Kane that much? And I mean, Evander Kane had a lot of strong words last night to say regarding his ejection, and we're not going to get into that. That's a that's a slippery slope that I don't think anybody wants to get into. Um, but that that was one of those nights where. Just everything happened. I mean, the Golden Knights dominated. Again, it was a 5-1 victory. The Golden Knights finished the preseason 5-2. and two. Uh, Goals from Carrier, Smith, Stone, Schultz, and Marsha Salt um, pretty much sealing the deal. And I, I would like to apologize to the masses of Las Vegas today for I feel I robbed about 18,000-plus people of their donuts um, because right after uh, – it was about I think the third period was about to begin and for those who aren't familiar for those who are listening outside of Las Vegas whenever the Golden Knights get a shutout at home um, everybody in attendance except for the media which is kind of BS but you know I'll go I'll I'll go I'll be fine with it Uh, everybody in attendance in the game gets a free dozen uh, Krispy Kreme donuts the following day if they show their ticket stub. So four nothing game at the end of the second period. And I tweeted, uh, you know, everybody's on Krispy Kreme watch. And then, uh, 
the third period, a minute, 20 seconds in, the Sharks break the shutout, and I I feel like I'm public en- well, I'm probably like public enemy number 10. I wouldn't say number one. That's a, There's a lot of bad people in the city. But uh, I, d- I did deprive a lot of people of donuts, but I will say I think I saved Krispy Kreme from going out of business early. So Krispy Kreme, you're welcome. Everybody else, I'm pretty sure Mark Andre Fleury is going to get another shutout or two this year. I'm just I'm just banking on it. So, kind of putting a bow on the preseason, the the talk of going in this preseason was going to be the battles on the blue line, which rookie or rookies were going to seize the opportunity and get a roster spot, and then who was going to take the battles in the bottom six. There was the left uh, third line left wing battle was open. Fourth line center was also open. And I were let, let me put it this way. It, by the time we get to where Kelly McCrimmon talks to everybody today at noon, we're probably going to find out who it is. But as of this recording, the blue line battle is still up for grabs. And I think the only reason why it's up for grabs is because Nick Haig was unbelievable last night. And I, and I wrote about it last night. Nick Hague has had a very up-and-down preseason, which is pretty much the constant theme for every other defenseman trying to get that final roster spot. Again, or again, or again roster spots. It fully depends on what you prefer and what you believe is going to happen and what you believe is reality when it comes to who is going to be a healthy scratch on the blue line for the Golden Knights. But Nick Hague has had his moments were very good, I point to the Colorado game, the first Colorado game at Denver. Unbelievable game. He had the unbelievable goal in the third period, which shows you the, what kind of offensive upside he has. And then he had his moments in the uh, the Colorado game here, where part of it was pr- toward the third period, he just looked gassed because Vegas was down to four defensemen. The other part of it was there were a lot of moments where it was just he did not look his best. He, he slipped a lot. He made a lot of bad decisions and he, and it was a, that game was a prime example of, are they going, who is going to win the battles? And really nobody stepped up in that game. And that brought us to Sunday where there's a chance. Here's your last dress rehearsal. And this was really the first time a lot of these rookies that are playing went against top level talent in the NHL, because think about it, Cody Glass, yeah, Cody Glass never really saw preseason this late, and and neither did Nick Hague, so when we've seen those guys in the last couple of years, they've been playing teams with playing a lot of rookies, a lot of guys trying to make the roster, so we haven't really been able to gauge how they would be at the NHL level, because they really haven't played against top shelf NHL talent until last night when you saw the bulk of the Sharks roster. So obviously the Couture line was there, Thornton played, and then especially at the blue line, you had the big three of Vlasic, Carlson, and Burns all playing. And I and I know that a lot of people, you know, have their have their qualms about everybody on the Sharks. But if you're going to want to assess where your certain rookies are at, that is the best team to play. Because whether, again, preseason, you're not going to put a lot of merit on it. But I know for a fact that both of those teams 
wanted to play well going into the regular season. And I'm not even sure if the Golden Knights really took it as seriously as they wanted to, but they wanted to. I, I don't even know if they wanted to win. They just wanted to play well. And the only way you're going to play well is if your rookies are having great games. And before Jimmy Schultz scored his power play goal, he was having an off night. And he, and he eventually bounced back and had a very solid game. But Nick Haig, to me, was unbelievable. And I highlighted three plays last night where he he was just outstanding. The first one was a pass, a cross-eyes pass to Patch, to Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty's standing in the left circle. And Haig takes a... a uh, cross pass from McNabb, Braden McNabb. And right as as soon as the puck touches Haig's stick, somehow fires it perfectly to a wide open Pacioretty, who then finds Mark Stone in front. And if it's not for a fantastic kick save by Martin Jones, that's a goal and that's an that's a highlight assist for Nick Haig. That, that was probably the best pass I've seen Haig make in a game. It was an unbelievable play. Not to be outdone, however, a few minutes later, a few shifts later, Haig gets a pass or takes the puck from the uh, defensive blue line. And I believe, I can't remember who it was initially that was coming up on him. But if Haig doesn't make this perfect pass right to Paul Stasny as he's going north to south in the neutral zone, that's either going to be a turnover or it's going to thwart all momentum. Haig somehow gets a quick release off the puck, gets it to Stasny. Stasny kicks it to Zikov, and Zikov walks in on uh, Jones one on one, or had a defense had a defenseman on him, but he still got a good shot off on Jones, and Jones made the save. And then there was a shift, also in the first period, where Haig, we talk a lot has been made about his defensive ability. Haig had one of the best defensive shifts I think he's ever had as a Golden Knights defenseman. He circles along the half boards and behind the net on uh, Tomas Hurdle for about seven to eight seconds. The puck gets loose, goes off into the half boards, and then Marcus Sorensen picks it up for San Jose. Haig then goes to Sorensen, is draped all over him. Sorensen has to reset, come all the way back from the half boards to the blue line. Haig stays with him the entire time. Sorensen then drops the puck off to Eric Carlson. And at this point, Haig now is kind of in the kind of in between them. Carlson gets the puck. Haig loses his balance, recovers, is still able to have enough wherewithal to get close to Carlson. Carlson has to go toward the toward the right circle. And then Carlson tries a centering pass, and who's there to get a stick on it to break it up and turn it the other way? Nick Haig. Without question, his best game, and I and I think if he ends up making the roster today or tomorrow, whatever it may be, depending on how that goes, that that performance, even just in that first period alone, it, it the whole package was on display for Hague. And and that's the kind of that's the that's what you've been wanting to see. Those those Separate instances are really of what we've waited for out of Nicholas Haig. And he was a star last night. It didn't show up on the stat sheet. He was, I believe it was a plus two. He led Vegas in time on ice. I believe it was like 22 minutes and some change. But he 
showed off the entire repertoire that the that the Golden Knights coaching staff has been wanting him to put together. And if there was a better opponent to do that and a better team to do that against, again, preseason I know. But if there's a better warm-up or better uh, better opening feel to what you want, Nick Haig did that last night, and he, and he was spectacular. The other... Uh, the other uh, storyline we needed we need we kind of need to touch on is the potential, and, and it's not confirmed. It's it's not happening. No one is saying that it is happening, but there is a chance that Cody Glass will make his NHL debut this week when the Golden Knights open against the Sharks, and it's because, as we mentioned earlier at the top, Alex Tuck is week-to-week with an upper body injury sustained against uh, Colorado. or No, the Kings. The Kings, excuse me. It was the Kings. And in the same game, Cody Eakin, I believe it was an upper body injury. I I initially labeled it as undisclosed. I believe it's upper body. Um, He is day-to-day. So as I mentioned earlier, that's two-thirds of your third line. And last night we kind of saw a little bit of what a makeshift third line would look like when you move Paul Stasny to that third line, which is a ballsy move to move him away from Stone and Pacioretty. But Cody Glass was able to center that line of Stone and Pacioretty. And if there's any if there's any way you're going to get a lot of success out of Cody Glass early on, it's going to be with those two. Because of the best line in hockey, or one of the best lines in hockey last year, was Stasny with those two. It's going to put a lot of confidence into that 20-year-old kid. And there were a lot of... There's still those moments where at five on five, you don't see the flashes, but there were definitely opportunities from Stone and Pacioretty. Glass also made a couple of nice passes, but I think, and I've been saying this a lot the last couple of days, the one way you're going to get better production out of Cody Glass, if he makes this roster. Now, this this is all going to change if Cody Egan comes back healthy and just throws his whole in the wind, throws his whole thing in the in the in the uh, in the crapper. But Cody Glass, whether it is on the third line wing or as a center, he needs to be on this roster and he needs to be playing this year. I, I understand that the depth makes it difficult, and I understand his inexperience of playing on the wing does not help his case. But you see the flashes. Of what can be. And if you put him in a full season on the NHL roster, he's not going to win the Calder. I I mean, we're not going to say, we're not going to crown him with the Calder. And I think anybody who tries to think that a rookie's success based on winning the Calder, I think is kind of ridiculous. But if you're going to get the most out of glass, the one thing you need to do is A, play him and give him the, and B, give him the most time to make something happen. And I think one way you can make glass really effective is put him where he's been really good lately. And that's on the power play. Now, Gerard Gallant has mentioned a couple of times earlier this week, when he goes with the power play, he likes to go with his best lines. So you're going to see the Stasny line with stone and patch ready, usually on the first or the second, depending on how it works. You're going to see on them on one unit, and then on the other unit is going to be the Carlson line. So you really have your uh, you, you really have your options limited, right? 
But Cody Glass has been so good on the power play. And it's not even just it's not even just like a simple pass, like, oh, he just found the open man, that was a good smart pass. No, Cody Glass is going into the bag. All right, he's making behind the back passes, he's making no look passes in front of the net. I mean, he is doing things where you see the confidence is ready to break out. You know what I mean? And it's it's not like he's going to pick this up on five on five. Like if he's trying to do that on five on five, these things on five on five, it could be disastrous. Now it might help knowing who he's playing with. And Max Pacioretty has said it himself. No one, he, he likes to play with smart players and he calls glass. One of the smartest players he's ever played with, which tells you something at 20 years old. But if you're going to get the most out of glass, I think putting him on the power play is one way to do it. And that that gives you a lot of opportunities to A, give him more ice time, B, give him a chance to succeed in the offensive zone, and then let the five-on-five develop as we go. That That is the most important thing. Because if the Golden Knights play Cody Glass this year, they are going to make the playoffs. If they don't play Cody Glass this year, they are going to make the playoffs. This team is going to make the playoffs. We can't sit here and say that Cody Glass is inexperience on the NHL roster is going to cost the Golden Knights a playoff spot. And we cannot say that it is going to cost them a game. It can't cost them a series. There's no way. Now, again, it fully depends on who you have playing on what line, right? Because if Egan comes back, Egan's going to likely fill in that third line center. There's no question. In a perfect world, you would have a third line of glass centering with tuck and insert left wing here fourth line if if it ever came to that egan would go to fourth line probably push no sec to the to the press box then followed with reason carrier right or zikov or whoever you want to put on that fourth line in a perfect world where there's no checking fourth line checking line that is what you would want to do but in this case it helps Cody Glass's development, if he plays with Stone and Pacioretty, it helps if he's on a line with Tuck and Eakin playing on the wing. There are so many options that can help him, and I don't think leaving him in Chicago in the AHL to start the season is the way to go. I think he's proven in this preseason that he's worthy of a roster spot, and I think that give him the right opportunities get him comfortable, get him in the scoring department, that is going to help him. So, again, we don't know the full extent of how long Cody Eakin's going to be out. If he does not play on Wednesday, we will likely see the same lines we saw on Sunday with either the Carlson line starting on the first or the second line, but Cody Glass will center Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty with Paul Stasny centering a line of... Valentin Zikov on the left and more than likely Brandon Peary on the right. So that all depends. <clears throat> that all depends on the status of Eakin. If Eakin comes back, then have fun trying to figure out that lineup because I have no idea. But it's just hard to look at Glass and not think that even if he plays on the wing, because he, he hasn't been good at faceoffs. You you don't you would like to ha- you liked him you would like to have him as a center. But he hasn't been good in the faceoff department, and he's going to struggle in the faceoff department for a while. So you would like to think 
you can play him on the wing and have him as a playmaking wing. And you can kind of get away with you can get away with that, especially if it's Eakin anchoring, centering your line and playing the defense, the defensive aspect. You you can live with Glass being on, being on the wing. You can because when Alex Tuck comes back, he is going to need a playmaker to play with. For as for as good as Eakin was last year, and for as sneaky good as he can be as a playmaker, you need another playmaker on that line if you want that top nine to be good. Like beyond good. If you want that third line to be something extraordinary, you need another playmaker. And as as much as Brandon Peary helps in the goal scoring department, he does not help in the playmaking ability. You need a playmaker. And Cody Glass is the perfect one for that role. So we'll find out. Again, it fully depends. Depending on what the situation is with Eakin, um, Cody Glass could make his debut on Wednesday. And that's a good way to throw yourself into the uh, into the Vegas San Jose rivalry. That's for sure. All right. Well, I think that might just about do it for tonight, guys. Uh, and a little bit wonky. I know it's coming out a little bit late, but you know what? We're here. We're locked on. We're locked on Golden Knights. And this was episode one. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you listened. I hope you subscribed. I hope you downloaded. Every little bit counts, every little bit helps, and I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, tomorrow, be on the lookout for a conversation I had with David Shane and Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and we're going to do some reflecting on the two-year anniversary of October 1st. So, thank you guys for listening. hope you enjoyed. I know this went a little bit long, but you know what? It was all good. It was a lot of fun. And we'll see you back again tomorrow for Locked on Golden Knights. Have a good one.